Hey folks, my name is Robert Morrison and this is the Things That Matter To Me podcast. This is episode three. Um, so I know that from the outset I said that the idea of the podcast was to focus uh, one month, so basically two episodes on one basic idea. Um, well, I decided that that idea uh, wasn't great. <laughs> so what I decided to do is I'm going to basically exhaust single topics until I'm done talking about them. Um, and so since we started uh, on episode one talking about uh, music, and in episode two we talked to a friend of mine, uh, Kelsey Busey, who is in uh, the music therapy field um, and is also an accomplished uh, musician in and of herself, um, I decided I wanted to keep that uh, rolling. And so I have with me a, uh, another friend of mine who is a musician and a good friend, and we'll talk about that. Um, so I have with me Mr. Uh, Tony Franklin. Tony, say hello to the people. Hello. <laughs> um, so Tony has been given a list of complicated questions, um, all of which he will answer in specific detail. Uh, that's kind of the idea here. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're going to have a little fun just uh, chatting about um, Tony's background in music and all the things that, that come with that. So let's start there. Um, Tony, tell us a little about, about uh, your musical background. So growing up, what was what role did music play in your life and all that kind of stuff? Uh, for me, I you know grew up with just kind of what was popular on the radio, and it was just... Uh you know, passing interest, but uh, something kind of clicked probably around 14 that kind of saw people actually playing in bands and thought, wow, this is, music is not just something that you hear coming out of your speakers, it's something that you do, and uh, I don't know, kind of got bit by a bug, wanted <laughs> to get a guitar, be in a band. Um, coincidentally, at the time, my, my dad was kind of having a midlife crisis and acquiring guitars at a frightening pace so <laughs> had guitars around the house and pretty soon I had my own yeah uh, amplifier some stomp boxes didn't know what in the world I was doing I'm just gonna press these things and see what they do yeah I made a lot of really bad noise <laughs> I still do but it was really bad but you don't have the excuse of the fact that you're 16 anymore right yeah well you know anything in the name of experimentation right um so um did you, you played in, in bands when you were a teenager? Yeah, I mean, it all started with guitar, um, as far as, you know, actually playing music. Um, starting to listen to a little bit of, of punk rock bands, getting into some stuff that wasn't so mainstream, and um, started going to concerts, kind of being a part of that culture uh, with friends in high school, and um, yeah, I mean, it was, looking back, it was pretty much inevitable you do that. And you you know you know anyone who knows how to play an instrument you're gonna try and put together a band sure sure so that's what we did uh, we were we were playing some shows just in churches and church basements <laughs> people's driveways and part at parties <laughs> driveways at like fifteen and sixteen yeah and, that's you know. strange to me a little bit yeah yeah it was I mean I'd have to kind of beg my parents to like load up stuff to right take us to band practice but. You know, one of the key ingredients there was you. you re I realized that everyone plays guitar, <laughs> right? Of course. You know, everyone's older brother had some junky guitar laying around the house that they could sort of inherit. So, like, mm -hmm. everyone, everyone played guitar or bass. So I realized I needed to be a drummer. So, oh, okay. So that was where the drummer thing. Yeah. So when did you start playing playing drums? Uh, that was probably around fifteen or sixteen. That was a pretty conscious decision. Mm -hmm. um, not a well thought out one, but it was a <laughs> conscious decision. 
Um, I'm sure your parents liked the, the move. Yeah. They were well, like, hey, can you buy me this drum set? I, I remember like cobbling together Christmas and birthday money and going to, uh, I forget the name of it. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was a, a music store in Tampa, Florida, and buying probably just the junkiest drum set ever. But you know, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, I feel like your money goes a lot further now with instruments than sure. it did then. You know, because I'm 36, and that was <laughs> 20 years ago, 21 years ago. Time flies. Yeah, uh, they were pretty bad, but I set them up in my my bedroom. I had like one cymbal. Nice. Uh, it was complete entry level. Yeah. And um, had no idea what I was doing. That was before YouTube and. You couldn't learn by watching. You just kind of pick it up as, as you were going along. Yeah, I mean, I was listening. It it, fo- it forced me to um, listen to music more intently. I was like really trying to figure out, like crack the code. of like, okay, what's that drummer doing? Right. Um, and as anyone who has ever played drums, like just picking up on the, the four limb independence is kind <laughs> of a, it's like learning to write with your left hand or something. It's right. very counterintuitive for most people, but... Um, I just sort of taught myself and like I said, I was in punk rock bands, so we didn't have to be like, like super play technical. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty loud and just like on 10 all the time. Anyway. Sure. But, uh, yeah, I played a lot of drums until my parents would tell me to be quiet because their TV show was coming on. <laughs> oh and, yeah, yeah. Um, I play a lot when I get home from school and stuff. I, I still played guitar. I played in some, uh, church mm-hmm. praise bands for youth groups and stuff, but, uh, drums was kind of like I wanted to be a drummer yeah, yeah. for sure now I, I know we've we've talked extensively about um, what was going on in your hometown like on a musical level um, so can you can you tell us a little bit about that like the stuff that was the the bands that were kind of growing up around you as you were kind of uh, in your formative years during that time as well sure I grew up in a really small town Plant City Florida it's not too far from Tampa, but you'd think it was really far away because it's just a small little little town and had one really small music sh- music shop mm-hmm. that uh, really almost existed just to rent band instruments to the <laughs> local high school band. Right. Um, and it, it felt like if, if, if you knew how to play drums, you could be like in any band you wanted to be almost because um, that was the like most in demand mm-hmm. uh, instrument it seems I, like I think that's probably still the case yeah. if you can play drums you're a hot commodity um, but for a small town high school you know we had uh, I feel like every genre had some mediocre representation <laughs> you know we had a southern rock band oh. we had sort of like a you know alternative Pearl Jam Nirvana of kind of genre band and you know, we were the Christian punk rock kids right right uh, there's like a, a misfits type punk band. I don't know. It's just, it, it, we all kind of formed our own little cliques and mm-hmm. we'd see each other around like, Oh, that's that band. Right, right. And, oh, that, that, that group of people, they follow that band. Gotcha. Yeah. But it was part of a larger music scene. Um, just being in proximity to Orlando and Tampa, St. Petersburg. I went to a lot of shows that looking back, I realized pretty it's not very typical. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had the had the pleasure of seeing um, Anne Berlin and Under Oath uh, and some other uh, decent bands when they were just basically just local guys. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, did you see? Uh, this is this is sort of slightly off topic. Did you see Anne Berlin is coming back? They're touring this summer. 
I saw that they were doing a small tour. <laughs> yeah, they're coming yeah. to Raleigh. I already have my tickets. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. It'll yeah, be. that's kind of the downside of being in Charlotte is they, yeah. they tend to <laughs> people tend to forget about us altogether. Um, I, I've just decided that people that bands that that's quote unquote the the whole there was that whole that time period like like you know eight ten years ago when people were like oh we're breaking up and we're never coming back. Everybody should have just been like, well, we're we're just gonna stop for a little while and then you know whenever we get around to it because that seems to be the thing with bands like that. I mean even. Two, those two that you mentioned, Under Earth and Amberlin, both did it. Um, Copeland did it, which is another band that was around during in that in that space because they're from the same similar area, right? Yeah, that is another band. I, I saw Aaron Marsh, the singer of Copeland, um, with his previous band when he was, I don't know, he was probably barely out of high school because mm-hmm. I know I was barely out of high school. That's crazy. Yeah. That's funny. Um, so to transition into more uh, uh, kind of now topics, so what is music look like in your life now like what role does it play um in your life as a as a, a an adult with you know family and job obligations and all that kind of fun stuff yeah well it's all about trying to find some balance uh, i gave up a, <laughs> a long time ago on ever making any money from music well yeah i don't even think i think most hobby. of the people that that even make that counted as their job gave up long ago on making major money from music too <laughs> Well, I guess I should say making any money or notoriety. Yes, that's also true. <laughs> um, but no, there's something just kind of really satisfying about creating something. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never one to sit and just play guitar for hours and really do anything all that flashy. And uh, even as a drummer, it was it was always about just being in a band, and that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're an adult and you have a full-time job and you have kids and spouse it's, you know you're not going off to band practice necessarily yeah they kind of want to see you every once in a while right yeah so you, you kind of put that aside i mean much you know, total respect to guys that that manage to keep bands going um whether it's just for fun or yeah you know as a main part of their career exactly yeah uh, I'm, I'm, I'm i'm pumped that a lot of the bands i was into have managed to not fade away completely they mm-hmm. still you know they have day jobs and they have other things going on sure but still um, put it, you know, go and put out a record every few years or take a small tour. Um, anyway, that's off yeah. topic. Well, right? Yeah, and I think there's something, just to kind of, you know, finish that little rabbit hole, I think there's something interesting about those bands that quote-unquote quit, you know, called it quits 10 years ago, kind of missed what the wave of, like, the internet would really be able to do for them, you know, five, six years later. Because I think if they had known what the possibilities were because they 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 grew up in situations where it was like oh we tour 250 days a year and that's how we survive kind of thing and i think if they had if they had had the foresight to know oh well we could actually just record an album people will pay for it or listen to it in whatever ways that they will and then go on a 20 city tour and then go home and that's the end of it and we only have to do that every couple of years would have been interesting to see if if that had been if they had known if, they, if those kind of bands would have been like oh well, we'll just kind of stick around and just keep doing this model for the rest of, of time. That's that's true. It doesn't have to be all or nothing anymore. The internet kind of lets you define mm-hmm. how you want to exist as a band right. these days. Well, in your fan base, of course. For sure. Yeah, yeah. If they keep, if somebody will keep paying for it, then you can keep doing it, which is nice. Yeah. But anyway, you were saying about your current musical situation. Yeah, so for me, I mean, I would say I'm, I'm probably consistent and just, um, you know, in years past, I would kind of not touch a guitar for months went years without playing drums I mm-hmm. basically quit because <laughs> um, 
you don't you don't really play drums when you live in an apartment. You know, it's yeah, it'd probably it's, make people mad. Yeah, you, you you sort of have to kind of give it up. It's that is an all or nothing <laughs> thing. You have you have to have space and uh, the ability to really play them if you're going to. Sure, but, sure. Yeah, I, I'd had stops and starts and just kind of quit playing stuff altogether, um, off and on throughout the years. But at this point in my life, it's pretty consistent, even mm-hmm. if it's just. A relatively small slice of my time sure you know it's an hour here uh, playing in the church band mm-hmm. drums or guitar or bass or you know whatever's <laughs> whatever's needed that <laughs> week bass for a long time yeah unfortunately um and it's and it's been fun um it, it lets me branch out and it keeps my my brain sort of thinking in that musical realm um, right. kind of like it's like a muscle that you have mm-hmm. to work out you know i think that's fair yeah um and you also have a kind of a little mini recording set up in your basement at your house too, right? Yeah, when we got our house a little over three years ago, it, uh, it came with this kind of just big empty basement. Um, and I've sort of outfitted it. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty, pretty budget. Um, <laughs> but you don't need a lot these days. Sure. Top and As interface. we're sitting at, a, at my kitchen table, we're talking into my computer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you can make entire albums on a laptop and a couple of microphones yeah. and you know, I'm not recording live drums or anything like that. That's, that would be pretty complex. Um, so, you know, taking that out of the equation, I kind sure. of feel like the sky's the limit with what you can do in a small home studio mm-hmm. with, with a little bit of equipment. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, and that's, that's, that. We'll, we'll, we'll chat more about that in a little bit, but, um, I don't, I don't know what your thoughts on this question are, but what are your, what's your favorite part about your interactions with music, like what's the what's what's the part about it about interacting with music that you like the most? I think is the, the sort of the idea that I'm getting at there. Yeah. Um, and then the second part of that, and you can and I'll, I can repeat this part if you need to. Um, is it different? Do you have a different approach when it comes to sort of playing in a live setting versus and in, in, in the recording process versus listening? Like, is there a different a different sort of part of your brain that is activated or something like that? I don't know if that question makes any sense. <laughs> As I'm thinking about it, um, you know, I'm not, I've never been a vocalist, um, so I have a hard time putting myself in the shoes of like a singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. I've never really written lyrics. Well, I might have, but they're pretty bad. <laughs> and I gave up quickly. Oh come but, on! Every kid has, has yeah, been that for a little bit. I, I didn't get far with that. Yeah. But uh, I, I've never approached music from that angle, mm-hmm. which is yeah. So it's not surprising that the music I make on my own is instrumental because yeah. it just feels kind of comfortable sure, to me. Sure. And I listen to a lot of instrumental music, mm-hmm. which some people don't relate to. They're just like, well, there's not lyrics. Like, yeah. what, what am I even listening to this for? <laughs> but for me, music, whether I'm making it or listening to it, kind of a common thread for me is just, I, I like, I like, I like seeing how it's built up. Okay. You know, it's like drums are like the foundation of a house. Bass is kind of like the framing, mm-hmm. you know, this, fancy guitar part over here, keyboards, that's like the siding or the windows. It's like, they're all just like different parts oh, of, cool. of a structure. Yeah. And um, they all kind of support each other. I like I like seeing those layers yeah, that's cool. come together. That's that's a very interesting thought. And it kind of fits with, because you kind of have that um, side of you that likes to, to build and, and construct things too. So that sort of fits in this similar mindset. So it kind of makes sense that you would think of music in the same way, like, okay, I'm going to start with this and build on top of that. And it's that's kind very... of a studio engineer, producer mindset, I think. Right, right, right. The difference between, like, 
like when I, my approach to it is always, and you've seen a little bit of this, we've, we've <laughs> been, we've kind of traded some, some thoughts back and forth over the last year and a half or so. Um, and so my approach to it is completely different in that I will say, here's the sort of skeleton of a song. Like here's the sort of basic chord structure and here's the, the feel of it and what it kind of sounds like. And, but I'm, I'm sort of, I don't know if inept is the word, but my, my skill set doesn't reside in the sort of extra frilly stuff. I'm just like, what is, what are the, what, A, what is, the, what is it saying? B, what does it kind of sound like on a very basic level? And then I like having other people to be like, okay, well, what about this? And what if we did this? And what if we put this here and did that? And then most 95% of the time it's like, oh yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. And I think that's kind of cool to have. I think to me, that's why I think why, why being in like a band or a group is really important um, I don't know if you found that, but my experience with, with being in a band was always, here's this sort of basic structure that I have. What else can you guys do with it? And I thought that was really refreshing <laughs> as opposed to trying to do it myself where it's like, okay, all these songs are trying to sound the same because these are the only four ideas that I have. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think I've really ever excelled as just like a raw creative person that just comes up with just pure ideas. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm on the opposite end of that where I need people around me that come up with those ideas right? and I can sort of make all those pieces fit. Sure. I think that's, I think that's a useful skill for sure in the, in the realm of putting music and, and, you know, everybody, I think every artist needs that type of person to be like, okay, this part actually fits here or doesn't fit here. It doesn't make sense. That sort of thing. So I think that's important. Okay. So, um, moving on to the next question. So let's talk a little bit more about the listening, about listening to, to music. So, excuse me, what are some of your all-time favorite records that you've um, listened to over your lifespan, um, your entire life? Um, and why is it that those particular records matter to you? What's, in, what's important about them? Why those particular ones? I didn't, I didn't know this was going to be a question. You didn't? Maybe I didn't read that. Far. I don't think I don't you know. did. I feel like this topic came up recently. Oh, okay. The whole Facebook thing yeah, yeah, circulated yeah. about what ten albums have. Like right, right, right. Okay, so now you expound. Now you can expound upon that. Yeah. I did well, prep in for this question. You just might have missed, kind of glossed over it. This is kind of an important one. To gloss over. Harder yeah. to talk off the cuff about this one. And it's it's complicated because I mean there sure. are albums that impacted me, but if I were to like list a couple of them you'd laugh because mm-hmm. it's like oh it's a cheesy throwaway yeah punk rock album or That's something um i would say one of the albums that changed how like i cha- it changed how i thought music could sound was when i started getting into heavier music mm-hmm. um zayo okay had um, they were on solid state records right late 90s um, they had a couple albums out that had been re-released on smaller labels but their first sort of big album that they kind of made a name for themselves was uh, Where Blood and Fire Bring Rest mm-hmm. um, that album kind of just blew my mind being like 17 years old right. driving around speakers cranked up in the <laughs> car small town you know I, I don't I don't know how many of your listeners to this even know who that band is but I don't know. You know, it's just, there's something uh, about how heavy everything was. Sure. You know, down-tuned guitars, tons of distortion, screaming, loud drums. Right. I don't know. 
Yeah, it just had a had a, an energy to it that I was like, wow, this is this is totally different than any of the heavy music that I hear on the radio. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting the sort of like quote unquote heavy metal genre in the sort of mainstream is a lot different from metal music. You know, remove the the word heavy, and it becomes a kind of like different thing altogether. Um, that's always struck me. I remember my first interactions with that with heavy music like that actually was under oath. They're only chasing safety. Which people would look at and go, well, that's kind of actually a pretty like poppy record <laughs> for what it is. Yeah, it but was. still, it was an introduction to me for that, like to be like, oh, this is strange. Like, why are they yelling at me? Well, um, <laughs> that that album practically defined a whole genre. Yes, yes, it did. You know, you fast forward like ten years, or well, maybe five years later, there's all these other bands that kind of sound the same. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, they sound like that because they're copying right. someone who already did it first. Exactly. All right. So what else? What else you got over there? Well, like I said, that that was sort of my sort of diving into the deep end of like heavy music, mm-hmm. which you know I went pretty far down that rabbit hole and still listen to some of that stuff to this day. But yeah. um, maybe I'll fast forward like till pretty recently. Okay. Because and, and I, I feel like I need to mention this album because you and I don't see eye to eye on it at all. <laughs> um, I, I've been a, a Bon Iver mm-hmm. fan since his first album came out. Yes. Um, and then I liked his second album, the self-titled. Uh, and then his most recent album, 22 A Million, is one of the strangest albums that I've ever listened to. I think we can agree on that fact of, of the matter, yes, for sure. Except for me, and I like, I like stuff that's a little eclectic and outside the mainstream, but I don't like weird just for the sake of weird. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. You know, it all has to be cohesive and kind of work right. for me to enjoy it. Um, there's something about that album that tested my patience the first <laughs> few times I listened to it. Sure. And then it's just like a light bulb went on and it made sense. Gotcha. And um, I, I like that album because just first of all, it, so much credit is due to Justin Vernon for some of the just weird ideas he had that he wasn't afraid of putting down to tape. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like coming up with something all by himself. Cause that's how most of his music's written. Right. Um, you know, he locks himself away and does all this stuff solo. Right. That was the famous story of how the first album came to be. Right. Like some yeah, girl broke his heart and he ran away to, to Wisconsin or something like that, or to some yeah. cabin in the woods. And so Wisconsin or Minnesota, I don't remember somewhere, somewhere up North where it's cold and there was a cabin. That's all I remember. Yeah. And it was just like him and a, cheap microphone and, yeah, and four just, track and right. an acoustic guitar but a lot of his more electronic and experimental stuff as of late it's, he still makes it the same way just with different tools mm-hmm. he kind of locks himself away and, and, and comes up with this stuff and I find like I find for me I've written a lot of stuff and I, I like didn't have faith in it <laughs> and I was like well I don't know I don't know if that makes sense to anyone else I'm going right, to throw this right, away right. or I'll just sort of file it away and forget about it and I, I feel like he's got a certain boldness and like he comes up with this weird little synthesizer piano mm-hmm. riff, samples it, speeds it up, slows it down. I mean, it makes no sense why you would put that in a song. And yet he leaves it there. Yeah. And yeah, and to be fair, I don't know that I had the patience with the album that you did. I think that very that thing that you're mentioning where it just kinda took you a while and then all of a sudden it was like boom i think i had just my issue was that i just kind of listened to it the first time or maybe once or twice and i was like this is just 
strange. Um, <laughs> but you know, to his to his great credit, he actually manages to. Um, I mean, part of his boldness is that he's built up the sort of uh, allowance that he's got himself a, a, a big enough of a following of people who are like, yeah, he's just gonna he's gonna do something off kilter. That's just kind of what his his thing is. Um, and he's, he's going to write this album and it's going to sound like this and the next one's going to sound completely different. And he just sort of, he's got that in his arsenal of like the, like, because the fan base is there with him, I think there's a certain element of like, you built that up and, you know, so the sort of allow, like the opportunity to be strange is allowed to him because of that. I don't know if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, I think there's some context that's sort of earned there. Because if I were to just wander into a club on a Friday night and like, hear 30 seconds of one of his songs I would think mm-hmm. what in the world did I just walk into sure you know I don't know it depends on which song but yeah there, there's a definite just unconventional <laughs> nature to his music yeah that I you know I would agree with that so I, I applaud his bravery for just having an idea and not being afraid that it's right not conventional enough that would be certainly and I often wonder like bands who have or artists who have such an eclectic discography like that I mean he's what he's only three albums in right yeah like what a sh- what a live show would look like because you'd go from the sort of kind of more relaxed quieter stuff of his first album I don't remember his second re- is his second record very similar to that I don't recall his second record was adding more electric guitars full band okay so it's sort of the in between. He had a couple of horn players oh, okay. that, that, that played a, a big part, but it wasn't as electronic. Right, right. So, but still very interesting how you go from like these like intimate like acoustic songs to like more full bands to electronic, like within the context of the same show would be very interesting. But he seems to be doing well for himself. He plays all those like major festivals every year and they, you know, he's well loved. So good for him, I guess. Uh- <laughs> yeah. He did a tour with just like a three-piece band and they had to strip everything way back mm-hmm. and I sort of had an opportunity to go but it would have been a little difficult and right. I think I just opted yeah. not to go but if I go. could see him with the full band I would I would drive you a couple hours you make to or something like that yeah. is he playing Woodstock? I, I have no idea I don't, <laughs> know, I don't know what he's doing these days yeah whatever he wants yeah. apparently because that was a couple of years ago that, that album right? At this yeah, point, yeah, I think it was 2016. Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been a while. So, um, well, on that note, is there anything lately that you've been listening to this, maybe this year or the end of last year that you're that has really like piqued your interest or anything along those lines? I feel like my music taste is hard to describe sometimes. <laughs> it's a little, it's a little all over the place. I mean, some of it's just it's. You know, Copeland's a good example yeah. of a band that kind of keeps popping back up, making right. a new album every handful of years, and and it's it's just similar enough to what they've always sounded like that mm-hmm. it hits that nostalgia, you know. But it doesn't me. feel like they're but they're cheating by just repeating the same thing over and over and over again. Exactly, it's I, their newest album, Blushing, is is great. I think it's, yeah, it's 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 innovative enough. It's actually pretty. Pretty innovative. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a departure from yeah. what they've done in the past, but yet it's um, it's just Copeland enough that it hits that nostalgia for sure for me. But uh, um, I was really into John Mark McMillan's Borderland album. That was pretty good. Did you like that? Yeah, one? I did. Yeah, I just I saw him last year sometime. Um, that was kind of that was a cool experience. Um, different than I was expecting it to be. Um, 
and it actually <laughs> did actually break into like a worship session towards the end, which was kind of what I was expecting, but not so much. It was at the underground in, was here it, in Charlotte. Was it acapella? No, he was playing a full band and everything, but okay. it was just... I've seen him do the acapella yeah. worship song. Yeah, again. so it was... I mean, it, it could have gone either way at this point because it was on the Mercury and Lightning tour, which is very, you know... Because he's, he's certainly the guy who used to write worship music, but now mostly writes kind of more thoughtful... Wait, hold on a second. That's not what I meant to say. <laughs> Careful. Um, the more <laughs> uh, out non-church music is what I is what I meant to say. Um, with so, but occasionally you can still even in in his more in his last couple of records you can see he still has that worship leader in him, and there's still a lot of like sing along pieces to to what he does. But um, anything else from from this year? Because that was even like a number of years ago. Yeah, that's a terrible. That wasn't even his most recent album. <laughs> no, but it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a pretty late adopter. I yeah, that's all right. I don't, I don't jump right on an album right when it comes out. Yeah. Um, Do you, is it, it is that just a you thing, or is that a you with family thing, or what? It you find yourself listening to more kids' music, and so it gets in the way of. It's probably more so that I'm just. <laughs> I'm not in touch with what is going on. Yeah. 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 I understand that. You know, I mean, honestly, the last album I bought was a John Coltrane album, which makes no, has no connection whatsoever. Sure. You know, but you, you go down the rabbit hole of listening to one thing on Spotify, it mm-hmm. recommends other stuff. I don't know. Yeah. It, 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 it my certain. tastes spread out as I get older. I sure. Think, sure. You know? Yeah. No, I'd, I'd certainly appreciate that as a, as a, as an idea, I mean, I have a fairly, a pretty varied um, collection of things um, that I listen to, but I can certainly appreciate. But, but as you say, there are um, the the sort of standby things where you're just like, oh, this is the the comfortable thing that I'm like, oh, this band is releasing music, and like I'm probably gonna like it, kind of thing. I sort of find myself in that in that vein. It's actually something that I was um, talking with. Kelsey about on the last on the last episode, um, and also something that I wrote about on my on my blog before before we talked about that was this idea of I feel like I've gotten in the habit over the last couple of years of just listening to too much music and trying to like listen to as many things as possible and hope that something's gonna stick and it just is seeming more and more like a really bad way to do it because um, I am spending a lot of time listening to stuff that I'm like. Yeah, I, I never listen to anything out of obligation. I kind of, I, I have no guilt. I never buy an album just because I feel like I'm supposed to. Right. Um, Starflyer Fifty Nine just came uh, out yes. a new record. Is it? Did it? Is it come out yet, or is it? Or it will be out probably by the time people are hearing this. So yeah, it's new. It could be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, like I said, I'm usually never first in line. Yeah, yeah. To buy it, but um, I did get their their um, their most recent album before that, mm-hmm. uh, Slow. Yes, I remember. Yeah. And that's pretty good. Yeah, he's an interesting cat. Yeah. Jason. His albums are so well produced. I I don't... I would love him to teach me. <laughs> All right. I don't um, know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. I got like, you know, at least three degrees of separation between, you know, making that connection. If, yeah. you, if, we you, can, really, we can if you really need it. We can just a little bit about yeah, Starflyer 50. Feel free. I, I don't... I don't know how he gets his sound. He records in all different places. He changes his guitars and amps all the time. and <laughs> um, He has different people play drums and bass and keyboards for him. It's like this... 
I actually saw them live one time, and it actually wasn't that great. It was a little bit of a letdown. But That's a bummer. The magic that is Starfire 59 doesn't really exist in so the he's a, form. So it's like a studio, yeah. studio thing that... But it's amazing that it doesn't matter who he has playing with him hmm. or like what guitar he picks up for that record. It just it sounds like him. That's amazing. Yeah, I, it is. You know, that's that's definitely something to envy. That that is a good skill. Um, I think to to be able to always be able to to make it you. Um, we were coming home the other day and we were listening actually to an old Copeland record, and my wife was like, um. All these songs kind of... Uh, is this a different song? Because they all kind of sound the same. And kind of... I get that. But I also feel like that's kind of the point, right? Like, if it sounds too much too different, then you're sort of... Then a, an artist or a band is sort of betraying themselves a little bit. Like, if it's so notice, if you're If everything's like, oh, the, this song sounds wildly different than the last one, there's only so much you can do with that before you've kind of, like, completely gone off the reservation and you're making a different record. Yeah, so. but we're, I mean, that's also a, a symptom of, we're, we're a playlist, music on shuffle kind of ah. culture these mm-hmm. days. Even I'm guilty of that sometimes, so. No, I, yeah, I totally agree with that, with that kind of idea, that sort of album thing. I, I try to personally avoid um, the music on shuffle thing. I don't, I don't really like doing that. Occasionally I'll throw, like, one artist, like, on my iTunes or something like that, and I'll just say, shuffle the whole, the whole artist, but it's all kind of eclectic different sort of like oh here's jars of clay from like 1995 and then here's jars of clay from like 2005 and you get these sort of mixtures of things kind of throughout the time but i try to avoid doing that at least in that form and when i do it's always like within itunes things that i've purposefully sort of downloaded or chose to put on my on my list as opposed to being like oh i'm just going to randomly sort of work my way through something um i think some of that is just I I'm like a big album guy and I just want people to I want people to respect the album um, <laughs> even yeah. though we don't. Um, it's surprising to me that anybody any popular artist makes like full records at this point. To be just totally honest, people don't make people don't do it as much. You're seeing a lot more EPs, which I kind of like. Let's yeah. people put stuff out more frequently. Sure, but I think the idea of like being coherent and creating a cohesive idea throughout, you know, 10 or 12 tracks is a lost art that most people don't care about anymore, which is kind of sad to me. Yeah, but it's a pretty high, that's a pretty high hurdle or, or benchmark. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. I, I like playlists. <laughs> I like sort of intentionally picking out songs that work together. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that, that's a, a different thing altogether. Um, I actually talked about that in the first episode that um, the whole idea that music is one of the great things about music in general is that it becomes something else once it's sort of put out into the world and then you can make it your own thing if you want to. Um, And I think that's great, but it also, I don't know. I think there's sort of good and bad to that in and of itself, but that's just my thought. I feel like it makes, it can make a lot of sense to listen to music that way. If if you just, if you have a million different kinds of, if you have like, a lot of really different genres or bands mm-hmm. all in your cloud or right. however you shuffle your music <laughs> and you just, you know, hit shuffle. I mean, there's just no telling what you're going to get. It's, that's true. It's too, it's too all over the place. That's true. For that's me. true. Um, but yeah, that's good. Cool. Um, all right, Tony. So the last question that I have for you, and this is the, the question that I'm going to um, leave everyone with. Um, and 
Kelsey really didn't like this when I asked her this question. Um, but the name of the podcast is The Things That Matter to Me um, podcast. And so the last question is just, if you had to sort of sum it up in a sentence or two, why does music matter to you? Because you're here, so I'm going to ask you that. So. Hmm. I feel like music has always mattered, but the reason has shifted. I think when I was a teenager, I enjoyed being in a band. It was kind of cool and exciting. Right. And um, I think maybe through my 20s, it was a way of sort of still staying in touch with that, maybe. I don't know, a little bit of nostalgia. Um, But I find more recently now, all these years later, I enjoy music, quite frankly, a little bit more selfishly. (laughs) I I really don't care what people think as much. Sure. um, I've, I've recorded an album, and it's not even that conventional it's a bunch of just instrumental music and i'm still working on new stuff and it's different than what i've done before and i don't feel like i don't know it's kind of like bonnie bear he can just do what he wants well i can do what i want too yeah yeah and significantly less at stake in your case well obviously (laughs) i'm not trying to yeah but which uh, which probably helps the i mean i think that's an opportunity for you right there like if you think there's let that doesn't matter right just put it out there but the principle of it I really like, yeah. you know, um, I actually follow, it's funny, I, I, I obviously listen to a lot of records that have come out in the last few years and then some really old stuff, but I follow a lot of people on Instagram and people with like YouTube channels that don't even release albums. They just sit down and, you know, they might loop some stuff with mm-hmm. their guitar and a couple other instruments yeah. and, you know, one man project type stuff. And I kind of feel like that couldn't really exist the same way sure 10 20 years ago before youtube and Bandcamp and all these different ways people can self-release their own stuff so i I follow a lot of people that just kind of make their own stuff and release it for whoever wants wants to tune in yeah that's cool um excellent yeah there on that kind of note and we'll just and we'll wrap it up here i don't know if you saw this but uh band campus i don't know how they're doing this i didn't read very much on it but they're apparently doing uh, this they're, they've added a service to their site that will allow people to press vinyl through like through their through Bandcamp like low run vinyl I don't know how it's going to work yeah. um, but I think it's kind of interesting kind of shows you a little bit about what where the where the whole thing is going in terms of like vi- physical recordings and but there's still a pocket of people that are like oh yeah this matters that I need to have this in my hand and that sort of thing so but I'm sure I'll talk about that in greater detail in a later date. So, um, Tony, do you want to tell us where they can find even you've mentioned your, your, uh, your album a few times. So you want to name drop a little bit here for yourself. You can tell people where to, where they can pick it up. And by pick it up, I mean, listen to it on the internet. Yeah. You can find, um, I don't post very much, but you can find me on Instagram at, uh, shipwreck satellite. Mm-hmm. One word shipwreck satellite. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, shipwrecksatellite.bandcamp.com if you search for it it's on like Spotify iTunes and Google I'll probably keep it up there indefinitely but (laughs) you can get it for free on Bandcamp so you should go there first very good cool well cool Tony thanks for uh, being here with us Um, it's been fun chatting with you Um, listeners be sure to uh, check out our Twitter and Instagram pages 
Those are at TTMTMPod. That is just the longest inter, uh, thing ever. Uh, but once again, that's TTMTMPod. Uh, for more information on the podcast or to tell me why these things matter to you. Um, or, of course, you can also email me at thingsthatmattertomepod at gmail.com. Those are all interesting ways that you can get in touch with me. So let me know how uh, you're liking things, and we'll continue this conversation about music again until I sort of run out of uh, people to talk to about it. So we'll see how that goes. So, uh, Tony, again, thanks for being here with us. Um, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, cool. And until next time, uh, this has been Robert Morrison, and these things matter. Mm-hmm.